On the program tonight, barbarians at the gate. Hamas slaughters innocent men, women, and children whose only crime was being Jewish. Babies, their heads cut off, families completely gunned down in their beds. The world has seen this before, yet now thousands celebrate the slaughter in America's streets. And some continue to deny the anti-Semitism in clear view. Most of the people they, they have arrested and uh, taken as uh, pres- war, uh, war prisoners are military people. Desperate families search for the missing. And the White House still refuses to hold Iran responsible. But what about the American hostages? Why hope is fading fast and a rescue mission looks nearly impossible. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. It is 7 p.m. in Washington, 2 a.m. in Israel and in Gaza, where you can only assume that Hamas is preparing the last of their booby traps ahead of an Israeli ground invasion. And they have another night to do it. It appears Israel's ground invasion is delayed. That is likely because of intelligence of what their army might encounter inside Gaza and also because of fears of a second front opening on the Lebanon border. At every turn, Hamas is showing themselves to be better armed and better trained than the Israelis thought. We're gonna get to that a little bit later in the show. But first tonight, after the Holocaust, the world said never again. It's now happening again. And I need to warn you, what you are about to see shows the worst of humanity and it will make any decent human being uncomfortable, even sick to your stomach. But that's the point. You need to see it. The images we are now seeing of Hamas hunting down Jews, rounding them up and killing them, is eerily similar to the images of the Nazis doing the same thing. It's difficult to say and to show and to look at, but we should and we will. Here's a reporter from Israeli News 24 describing what soldiers just found today in one Jewish community near Gaza. Babies, their heads cut off, that's what they said. Gunned down, families completely gunned down in their beds. That was today. And here's a Holocaust survivor explaining what the Nazis did. I pushed myself to the big door from the barrack. And luckily, there was a little, little peephole. I'll never forget this my entire life. And I looked out and I saw the row of the women when they were going to the guest chamber. And I saw my mom holding with another lady from my hometown. For the next few minutes, on the left-hand side of your screen will be pictures of Hamas gunmen slaughtering Jewish families. And on the right are Nazis doing the very same thing. If one wasn't in black and white, it would be very difficult to tell the difference. And yet, in cities across America over the weekend and today, across the world as well, pro-Hamas marchers took to the street celebrating the slaughter. Their signs say, from the dead to the med, Palestine will be free. That means the elimination, the extermination of Jews and the elimination of the state of Israel. But of a lot of America, Far too many Americans want to have it both ways. Even President Biden can't call it what it is. He, too, today played both sides. There's no place for hate in America. 
not against Jews, not against Muslims, not against anybody. There is the both sides argument from the president of the United States. Perhaps Mr. Biden hasn't seen the video. People in the American streets are celebrating the slaughter of Jews. There are not people in our streets celebrating the slaughter of Muslims. What happened Saturday is the exact same thing as what happened during the Holocaust. And the general in charge of Israel's Southern Command reportedly said the same thing Dwight Eisenhower said when he liberated the concentration camps. He said, bring in the journalists so the world can see, to bear witness, like Nick Robertson of CNN. There were so many murdered members of this kibbutz, men, women, children, hands bound, shot, executed, heads cut. Of course, like the Holocaust, many will deny what happened. And CNN evidently has no problem giving them airtime. Here's a Palestinian activist with CNN's Fareed Zakaria. Hamas mainly attacked military establishments, military installations. And most of the people they, they have arrested and uh, taken as uh, pres- war, uh, war prisoners are military people. I do not accept attacking any civilian. Either your reporters are spreading fake news or you are giving a voice to people celebrating and excusing the biggest one-day slaughter of Jewish people since the Holocaust. Which is it, CNN? Think about that. And frankly, there are no two sides to those who celebrate the slaughter on the streets of America. Although MSNBC and CNN both would have you think there is. And it seems like uh, the Netanyahu government is not willing to, uh, to, uh, to bring any peace to the region. It's conflicting for me because you have people in there and innocent bystanders that will be involved in it. Uh, the loss of civilian life is tragic in all sides. The rhetoric that has come out from Israeli politicians towards the Palestinians in the West Bank over the past several months has been vile. And to be fair, the Nazis also said they were fighting for the German people. Just like Hamas says, they are fighting for the Palestinian people. Their stated goals of exterminating the Jewish population are the same. And if you don't believe me, here is just a few of Hamas's spiritual leaders. And helpfully, we put in some subtitles. After the Holocaust, the world said never again. It's happening again. Same what aboutism, both sidesism, anti-Semitism that allowed the Holocaust to happen is happening right here in America. And those that preach tolerance and equity and diversity are not only silent, they often support the terrorists. For example, 31 groups at Harvard University put out a statement, quote, holding the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all the unfolding violence. Imagine if a student, much less a group, much less 31 student groups, during the Black Lives Matter riots, put out a statement holding George Floyd responsible for his own death. They would all be frog-marched off campus. Harvard has done nothing to address the groups for celebrating the slaughter of women and children. And Harvard's not alone. There's a number of universities like that. Speaking of Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter Chicago stands with Palestine, they tweeted out today, complete with a paraglider. Need I remind you, Hamas used paragliders to attack the music festival and slaughter 260 Israelis. 
At times, Nazi death squads were less efficient. Hamas just released more footage, actually, of their attacks. You can imagine Nazis saying Heil Hitler when they shot the last Jew in line. Of course, Israel is a far, far away place. But in America right now, thousands are celebrating the slaughter of Jews in Israel. I'm old enough to remember a lot of folks saying that silence is violence. Well, we have seen violence, real violence. And now we have seen the celebration of violence. And now those same people are awfully silent about both. That's on point tonight. Bachander Sargon is here, opinion editor for Newsweek magazine. Bach, I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Uh, I can tell it's hard for you. Uh, it's hard to hear. It's hard to listen. It's hard to see these images. Uh, an old paranoid friend of mine, as he would describe himself, uh, texted me. You can't convince me that just by using social media, huge anti-Israel protests popped up in major cities across America with signs and organization just like that within 12 hours of an attack. Who's behind all this? Uh, it's an interesting question. You know, are these astroturfed, right? Are these being organized? Um, I have to say, Leland, to me, these protests are a lot like January 6th, like 700 miscreants. You're going to call that a sort of huge upswell of a movement. To me, the support for Hamas is so limited to that, that even Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the standard bearer of the of the left, a member herself of the Democratic Socialists of America that was tweeting support for that horrific, heinous, anti-Semitic protest, even she had to call it out. And so to me, what we're actually seeing is, yes, horrific anti-Semitism, but also a huge awareness that was not there a week ago about how morally corrupt and disgusting the progressive movement is when it comes to Jews, when it comes to race more generally. Help us understand, though, the media that continues to sort of play into this. Washington Post columnist Isan Thoreau, Biden cited Golden Meir telling him half a century ago that Israel's, Israelis have nowhere else to go. Back then, Israel faced a genuine existential threat. It does not now. As brutal and monstrous as Hamas is, but where will two million people of Gaza go? Yeah, to me, there's sort of three explanations for this. The first is that it's just rank anti-Semitism. People just hate Jews. And of course, there is a lot of people who are in that camp. The second yeah. explanation is that in more ambiguous conflicts between Israel and the Palestinians, people found themselves siding with the Palestinians, and therefore they don't want to admit that they were wrong. And the third explanation is simply that they cannot bear to admit that the side that has more power in some absolute terms in the way that Israel does is the morally correct side because the left has replaced a worldview that distinguishes between right from wrong with a worldview that distinguishes between powerful it, and powerless. It seems as though Prime Minister Netanyahu believes that the Israeli military now has a hunting uh, hunting license with no bag limit. And that's how they're approaching going into Gaza. This isn't a discussion of an operation or to restore order. It is we're going to wipe Hamas out. And they don't really seem to care very much. I I'm wondering how long it's going to take, you think, before 
the images that we've just shown you, and, the, and to be fair, a lot of media has now been shocked by, uh, we've been talking about it for a while, but the, some have been shocked by, is replaced by the, oh my God, there is this child in Gaza who died, it is so terrible, and the, the moral equivalence begins, and the pressure on Israel to stop begins. When it was Hamas lobbing rockets and Israel lobbing rockets back and Hamas's rockets could kill one or two Israelis and Israel's rockets could kill 500 Palestinians, there was a lot of room for what you just described, for people making this error of moral equivalence. When the sides are a side that is decapitating, raping, kidnapping elderly people, kidnapping six-month-old babies, wiping out entire families, entire villages like the Nazis, like you beautifully showed, Leland. Mm -hmm. It is impossible for that to ring true to any person with a moral compass. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you know, they say the only thing that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Uh, I was reminded of this picture, a Why Not Peace rally in New York City, July 19. 41. We'll put the picture up. It's a bunch of uh, white women uh, in this case with signs saying Hitler is doing nothing to us. Why should why should we do anything uh, to him? And now uh, now hopefully at least there's enough of America that will stand up and and realize what uh, is happening. Bacha, we appreciate you being here. Thank you. I know this is difficult. You've been ringing the alarm bells about what's happening in America for a long time, and and now we're seeing proof of it. We just are. It's sad, but um, ho ho hopefully, hopefully the hopefully the attention on it will will change things. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Robert Sherman is live in Tel Aviv tonight. We're going to check in with him momentarily uh, as people are trying to still get out of Tel Aviv. There is news that we have been following here at home, including our extensive coverage on the dumbing down of America. That is the consistently lowering of standards. Call it participation trophy in academics. We can all agree honors classes in high school are by definition not for everyone. But in one school district, that simple fact means that unless every child attends honor classes, well then there can't be honor classes. Nobody can attend honor classes. School officials claim that the change was necessary to increase equity. The RWC Pulse reports the so-called blended or heterogeneous classes lump students together in one classroom rather than having a two-tiered system of instruction that separates intellectual elites. Local parents have insisted that move shortchanges their kids. Like Jacob Yorivi, a student at Carmont High School who is with us now. All right, Jacob, um, what's, what's the problem with going to class with everybody? And if you get an A and other kids get a B, so be it. Yeah, well, I think, honestly, it's a very difficult issue because there is the problem where there are certain demographics that are signing up for honors classes way more than other demographics. But the problem is that removing academic opportunity is not the way to fix that. We're taking away academic opportunity and we're putting a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. This removing academic opportunity, what, what that's really doing is stifling the people that are academically inclined and moving everyone down instead of pushing people up like we should, should do. All right, so I think about your school. Uh, biology, chemistry, physics, and European history were all uh, eliminated. Um, there was a, a parent uh, at one of the school, school board meetings um, talking about this, Shaheen Habibi. Yeah.
you would lower the standards, you would have less and less students motivated to go to college. Hmm. All right, Jacob, um, you're going to still be motivated to go to college, right? Well, definitely, yeah. And as a student trustee on the school district board, it's my responsibility to represent the student voice. And um, that father of someone at the school district represented an almost unanimous consensus of student voice pretty well. I've spent the past couple of months in preparation for our study session meeting on these honors classes, talking to as many students as possible. And there I've gotten that almost unanimous consensus that all students, whether they are taking honors classes or not taking honors classes, all students agree that honors classes should be kept instead of taken away. Let me just get this in real quick. We've done a lot about this, right? The SATs, eliminating the time requirements. Uh, in Louisiana, now they figured out a way to, to fix graduation rates. They're just going to pass kids if they do a project rather than pass the test. Trish Regan last night about that. Take a listen. No teacher wants to deal with it. So they just pass them on. Somebody else's problem. And this is what these schools are doing. We're just going gonna, gonna to have them all graduate. We're going to look good. It's going to be somebody else's problem, society's problem. When you've got things like equitable math, so now we rethink the standards. All right, Jacob, you think it's, if all the students want honors classes, you think it's just teachers being lazy and trying to be woke? Well, I wouldn't say that the teachers are being lazy. I know that everyone at the school district truly uh, wants the best for all students. But I think at the end of the day, it's just misguided good intentions. And, uh, you know, teachers think that this is benefiting all students when in reality, it's not benefiting a certain set of students and then detrimenting others. You know, Jacob, um, depending on what you want to do in college, you might end up being a pretty good diplomat. Uh, wow. Uh, to be that well-spoken uh, at, at your age, you got a bright future ahead of young, young man. Honors classes or not. Thank you. Thank President you. President Biden and Democrats face a reckoning with members of their own party displaying Palestinian flags in Congress, pushing the both sides talking points on terror. Will the party reject the anti-Semites in their midst once and for all? Look, here's the thing, and which 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 congressional members? Off the coast of Tel Aviv, the USS Gerald Ford just took up station. The Pentagon is reportedly thinking about sending a second carrier battle group. With us now, News Nation's Robert Sherman in Tel Aviv, two thirty a.m. Robert, uh, I feel like today things changed in Israel and sort of as the the rest of the country really realized the brutality of what had happened. And now we have this lull before the ground invasion. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you there, Leland. The sun has set on a very long day for the people of Israel here. It was a day in which we saw a lot more rockets coming from Hamas and Gaza, as well as from Lebanon as well. So many Israelis spent much of the day in uh, bomb shelters. That's where we were as well. And when we were in one of those bomb shelters earlier today, one gentleman pulled out his phone and started showing us photos of all the calamity that was caused and all the carnage and says, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Do you do you believe that this is the possibility of humankind 
a lot of Israelis had thought they had some kind of an idea of how much damage and destruction and what was done. They thought they had a better picture of that, but now they have a crystal clear image. Many very angry. Many want to see action. The sun is going to be rising in a couple of hours, and people here don't really know what to expect, but they do know that action in some capacity needs to be taken. Leland? Robert, thank you very much. We'll check in later uh, as things develop. Israel is called the 51st state, and when things go badly there, as they are now, they look to America for protection and support. Richard Nixon famously helped save the country in 1973 by saying, send everything that flies during the Yom Kippur War. 200,000 Americans live in Israel, and many will certainly be happy with what President Biden said. This is terrorism. But sadly, for the Jewish people, it's not new. This attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by a millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. I lived in the Middle East for four years. The world watches more what the president of the United States doesn't say than does. He didn't promise to hold Iran responsible for the safety of American and Israeli hostages in Gaza. He didn't demand Qatar turn over the leader of Hamas, who lives in a luxury villa there. Democratic strategist Kurt Bardella is here. He also said, and this struck me as odd, demanding that Israel act within international law. Considering that the Israelis are the victims here, I thought that was perhaps unnecessary. I mean, I think what the president is trying to ensure that the same atrocities that we've seen happen to the people of Israel doesn't happen uh, in their retaliation, I guess. But isn't isn't he he's creating the same moral equivalence of Ilan Omar and others? Uh, Palestinian residents of West Bank have scarcely better lives than Gazans, a routine destruction of their ancestral homes, blah, 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 Corey Bush. Uh, as part of achieving a just and lasting peace, we must do our part to stop violence and trauma by ending U.S. government support for Israeli occupation and apartheid. Where is the president of the United States saying that the, that the military might of the United States is going to protect our most important ally in the Middle East? Well, I think that that's not something he can actually really say right now, because, again, if we're going to actually commit to military might force, that's going to require an act of Congress. Which can't happen right now because there's no Speaker of the House. First of all, no, he has the War Powers Act for 30 days and the Senate's out too. I, I, I just, I, I don't understand the more, the, the sort of tiptoeing around everything, the unwillingness to call Iran out for what it's done. What's going on here? I think that we're in the very, very early stages of this. I mean, let's be very clear here. The fact that this happened is a massive failure of intelligence. I mean, the fact that this happened and everyone was caught off guard is a colossal... It feels like we're playing catch-up, or that we're behind the eight ball just as a country, as a global community. And Israel is as well. Period. Like, everyone is. And so I think given that, given the uncertainty and the not knowing, I think everyone is being a lot more cautious right now because there's just so much that we don't know. Right, but you could, you, there's a lot of things this administration could do, right? You could refreeze the $6 billion. You could say, until these hostages are returned to Iran, you're not getting your money. On and on. There, there's all sorts of things that the president seems unwilling. Is it just he doesn't want to admit he was wrong on Iran? I don't, I don't think it's about being wrong. I think it's about, listen, when you don't go too far, that means you still can go further. Like, there are still options on the table to escalate. If you just go right out of the gate and go full force right away, there's no going back from that. Like, that, you, you are 100% committed. So this might be 
a keeping your options open to a gradual escalation, that's not off the table right now. And I think ultimately that's what's going to end up having to happen anyway. Well, very well might, uh, depending. I mean, the, the counter argument, right, is that if you go all the way, if you go full crazy, uh, people back off. Um, and, and at least what I learned there, and look, the Israelis don't have a, a, a choice. They have to go all the way, right. all the way in. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting in this sort of discussion, and I think we can't lose fact of the site, uh, you know, lose sight of the fact that life in Gaza is an absolute hell. Mm-hmm. That's the fault of Hamas. It's yep. the fault of Tehran 100%. Um, that does this. In all of the talking points about it, though, the people who are always left out is the Egyptians. Yeah. Because the Egyptians could open humanitarian corridors. You're right. Why is the left so resonant to ever put pressure on another Arab state and so quick to put pressure on Israel over Gaza? Because it's like this false equivalency game, frankly, that the left always plays. I mean, and, and, and this is, and you are 100% right, by the way, to call this out because it's 100% true that there is a double standard that gets played here, that they are unwilling to try to hold the Egyptians to the same standard they want to hold everyone else to. And it just undermines. Or the Israelis. Re- they, don't hold, they don't hold Iran. Well, it's like the same they're not holding anyone Egypt, to the right, same standard. Except Israel. And it creates a very real problem, I think, with their credibility in calling for any particular act. It's like, listen, if you're going to start calling for crazy stuff, then you better hold everyone to your crazy standard. If you're unwilling to do that, Shut the hell up. All right. Well, <laughs> hard, hard to add anything to that. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, when we come back, we'll break down the military options on the table as Israel prepares to take the fight into Gaza. Is there really any hope of getting these hostages back alive? It said, I'm sorry. And so I knew immediately, wherever he was, it was a terrible situation. Get a pep in your step, put up your chin with a grin. Antenna TV gives you the best life through television. With good taste, nothing but the best, comes good times. By George, you're right. Antenna TV delivers toothy smiles nationwide. How about a little smile? Your television satisfaction is guaranteed. Tune in day and night and live your best life through television. Television sets are quite paint. Antenna TV, TV how it was meant to be. My name is DeMar Hamlin. I play for the Buffalo Bills, and I play safety. CPR saved my life. I've teamed up with the American Heart Association as a national ambassador to help create a nation of lifesavers, turning bystanders into lifesavers through CPR education and access to AEDs. Nearly three out of four cardiac arrests that don't happen in hospitals happen in homes. Join me to ensure everyone has the chance to live longer, healthier lives. Visit heart.org slash nation. At the Veterans Health Administration, we provide life-changing care to over 9 million veterans across more than 1,200 facilities nationwide. Our hands are busy, competent, skilled, healing, helping, and friendly. A place where diverse teams come together hand-in-hand to provide full patient-centered care and where even robots lend a hand. Join hands with us. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. 
Hey, ACC fans, the ACC is on the CW. A new era has begun. All the guys are just ready to have fun. And everybody's caught the fever. I think energy can be really contagious. I'm just having fun. For ACC football on the CW. Ready to go. Yeah, let's go. I got goosebumps. Let's go. See all your favorite teams and all your favorite players. It's a totally different energy this year. All ready to make history. Pass on and get after it. It's go time. ACC football live Saturdays on the CW. Nearly one in two U.S. adults have high blood pressure. That's why it's important to self-monitor your blood pressure in four easy-to-remember steps. It starts with a monitor. Be next to talk to your doctor about your blood pressure numbers. Get down with your blood pressure. Self-monitoring is power. Visit ManagerBP.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Heart Association, and the American Medical Association. In partnership with the Office of Minority Health and Health Resources and Services Administration. You're listening to On Balance with Leland Vitter on News Nation, America's fastest growing cable news network. Being an Army Ranger is a very fast paced lifestyle. I was clearing a weapons cache in Haditha, Iraq, when the building collapsed on me, burying me alive. I spent six months in the hospital and a year of recovery. When I was separated from the military, I just felt like I was useless because I only had this one thing that I was supposed to do, and then that one thing was taken away from me. And then one day, I got a call from Wounded Warrior Project. They asked me to come to a workout, and I decided that I was gonna get better, both physically and mentally. Now I'm a warrior leader. I create events and opportunities for other veterans locally. Wounded Warrior Project did a phenomenal job reminding me that my injuries aren't going to define who I am. And because of that, I can do anything that I want. See how we help warriors combat stigma at woundedwarriorproject.org slash combat stigma. Ashley Banfield and Chris Cuomo on America's fastest growing cable news network, News Nation. The viewer seems to have been lost in the shuffle of cable news lately. They don't want a team sport. They want the full picture. The appetite is greater than it has ever been for perspective, for understanding, and for information that they can not just trust, but use. See why more people are turning to News Nation, news for all America. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. The Israelis have made it clear that they view destroying Hamas within Gaza as a priority over hostage rescue. We're going to show you why that is and why any kind of hostage rescue operation is almost all but out of the question. First, we'll start with the geography, right? Tel Aviv and the rest of Israel. We look at the rocket ranges right now that you can see that Hamas has the ability to hit all the way into Tel Aviv and also Ben-Gurion Airport. So that is what the Israelis face from the air. Now let's look at what they face from the ground here. When the Israelis pulled out of Gaza, they built a buffer zone here. You call it a kill zone. This would be the area all the way up through Gaza, that they had a buffer zone so that when Hamas or Hamas militants came out, they could see and they had clear lines of fire in. That's now being flipped over. So you have Israeli positions here, 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 and here that they're going to set up all along and try to move in. The desire is to be able to cut off 
Gaza and cut off Hamas's ability to move north and south from the various population centers. Once you separate them, then the Israeli Israel can go in this way. The problem is they have to go across the dividing line, that buffer zone that they created. So this now becomes an area of Hamas's kill zone. This is how Hamas will take out the Merkava tanks and the armored personnel carriers, almost a mile that the Israelis have to move in open fields. And we know that Hamas now has anti-tank missiles and the like. One of the reasons the Israelis have waited so long is how many forces they need to be able to go in to protect themselves. We've given you now an idea of what Israel's heading into. This is Gaza City, and you can see all of the streets and the back alleys. Hamas has been able to spend two years fortifying this area. The Israelis have very little visibility, as evidenced by how caught off guard they were, by what is waiting for them. But this is what they know is waiting for them. Under Gaza City, Hamas has built massive tunnel systems. That means that they can move hostages around, they can move weapons around, they can move fighters around without Israel being able to see it from above. Now, once they get their tanks into Gaza City, extraordinarily difficult environment to work in. These are some of the pictures from streets. These are the wider streets in Gaza. Every storefront here is a place for booby traps and for kids with bicycle bombs and for Hamas fighters. So Israel will own perhaps the street if they can move Merkava tanks in. The place tanks are most vulnerable from is up above, and Hamas knows that. They own all of these buildings, and they own the tunnels underneath. With us now, retired Air Force Special Operations Commander Glenn Ignazio, who has led just the type of hostage rescue operations the Israelis or the Americans would be trying to do and knows this kind of firsthand. I hate to say this. Uh, I think one of the reasons the Israelis are not talking about the hostages much is because it's just not a priority for them. Yeah, and I, I think it's well, it's one of those things. I think that they're going to have some activities. They're going to try to get the hostages. But but here's the problem when it comes to operations like this is you need to know exactly where they are, what they're surrounded, the engagement, you know, so you can mission rehearse and go in there. You're not going to go in blind. And with 100, close to 150, they don't even know the exact count. Knowing their location or their conditions is very difficult. The other thing is, is they don't have the time. So they're going to have to be able to start this engagement and start this this invasion of Gaza and do it appropriately and as quick. Because I think that the international international opinion is not going to carry this weeks and weeks and weeks forward. That's that's going to be one of the problems here. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a huge point, right? Because as the Israelis push in here... Um, and the Gazans, the Hamas, Hamas experts at public relations, you're going to see some pretty awful pictures of up close and personal uh, war on a on a very intimate pace, basis inside urban environments. I, I, the only thing I can think of is perhaps what Americans saw when uh, the U.S. went into Mosul and went into Baghdad in the beginning uh, and then the surge uh, of the Iraq war. But even then. Uh, as bad as Sadr City was, they didn't have years and all these Iranian weapons to prepare the city and prepare the booby traps uh, that Hamas has. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, the thing that actually stood out for me was was Fallujah of how intense that was, and we allowed everybody to get out, and still it was brutal, and the fighting was so intense. Is you know the other thing uh, you, you mentioned, Leland, is that you know the area is very narrow, so getting tanks in and out or even maneuvering them is going to be tough. That's why the actual boots on the ground or the dismounted troops is going to be doing a lot of this work. The other thing is that you know it's not just the ground engagement. You know we have all these buildings, so they have to think about what that threat is from above as well. 
as they're shooting from or launching rockets or whatever from above you. So the idea of the booby traps, anti-tank mines, and the idea of these tunnels being able to manipulate and maneuver themselves, even possibly behind IDF forces, it is an extremely dangerous situation. And like when we dealt with tunnels in Afghanistan, there was hyperbaric and uh, very high-intensity pressure bombs that needed to go off to destroy those. So they are literally walking into one of the most complex, organized chaos warfare that you can imagine. So they're not going to run into this, but they're going to be very intense. And as I mentioned, violence of action is really what's going to be the case for Israeli uh, troops to be effective. I just want to get some ground truth from you in terms of a hostage rescue. And I, and I know the Pentagon is saying that they've, they've told the special operations advisors who work out of the U.S. Embassy in Tel Aviv uh, and work closely with the Israelis, always have for decades, uh, to, to lean in, to try to help with planning. Sarah McCall is some of the best in the world at hostage rescue. I, I just look at this map. Even if you knew where all 130 were and you knew they weren't going to move, which we don't know because we know the opposite, that Hamas has gotten tunnels and they've planned for this for years. But even if we knew all those things, the idea of, of getting in and getting out to an area like this, I don't want to say it's impossible because nothing's impossible, but it, it would seem as though you're putting enormous, enormous amounts of resources at risk with very little chance of success. Unfortunately, because, you know, combat rescue was also a secondary mission, is that's absolutely correct. I mean, imagine that a, a person or a group of people could be hidden in a tunnel. It could be hidden, hidden in a command center. But more likely, it could be in somebody's apartment. Which apartment? Which building? Which floor? Extremely complex. Mm. And, and like I said, Hamas took these individuals because they knew they were going to be human shields that hopefully, based on the past, Israel would hold back. But after you're seeing kids that have been slaughtered and beheaded and the incredible terror that has been unleashed in Israel itself, which a lot of people may not understand that's how graphic and brutal it is, the Israelis are not holding back. This is absolutely a, a fight for their existence and lives. And I believe that Hamas is going to be targeted until they're as much as possible eliminated right. within Gaza. Yeah, Hamas seems to have miscalculated that they thought the Israelis would back down because of the higher number of hostages in, in and actually, the reverse uh, has happened. We actually know, speaking of these population centers, and you said human shields, Glenn, uh, that the Hamas has now told the residents of all these buildings, including uh, in Ramal, which is Hamas's stronghold, they've told the civilians you can't leave because they want the civilian deaths. They want the human shields. Glenn Ignazio with us. Thank you very much. Chris Cuomo is down uh, with us uh, when we come back. He is on the ground now uh, just north. Uh, in Tel Aviv, where the rocket fire continues. A little bit about what he is seeing and the shock that still lays over Israel about what happened this weekend when we come back. We have all seen the images, right, of the young German woman. She was a peace activist who was abducted uh, and then paraded naked by Hamas terrorists on the back of a truck as others in the street spit on her, cursed her, and did God knows what else. Chris Cuomo uh, is with us, and I understand you have uh, her mother who thinks she is still alive. And I guess, Chris, this sort of goes to the point that you and I have been talking about, that what makes this so very different from all the other wars you and I have covered is the hostages. Yes. And also creates an urgency and an outrage uh, to the reality 
of what started this dynamic in its most recent iteration. Uh, America has to pay attention to what is happening with its own citizens here who have been taken hostage and, of course, killed. And we're going to look tonight at what's being said by the American president versus what's being done. Uh, my position on it will be that I am surprised that America is not being more active with boots on the ground here to find its own people. We'll get into that. We also have uh, a spokesperson for Hamas. Now, there are many people uh, who will be like, great, I want to hear both sides. There will be people saying, no, don't talk to them. They're terrorists. I think it's really important to expose how Hamas itself deals with explaining what is so obvious about this situation. I think no matter how you feel going into it, it's very important to understand what it is that you oppose or what it is that you think you support. So we have that tonight. But I will tell you, uh, Leland, the big change in the state of play here, and you've been mentioning it tonight because you're so savvy about the region, uh, having been based out of here, the activity in the north is the X factor here. There's no question that Israel is getting ready. We watched it today for a major ground invasion into Gaza. That's expected. How do they divide forces to deal with the north? Yep. Is this just a tease from Hezbollah and maybe from Syria in the east? Or are they part of a coordinated attack with Hamas? Because then you're going to have a very prolonged and ugly situation. I mean, I would argue we're going to have a prolonged and ugly situation either way, and also that they, they are coordinated, and they're coordinated by Iran. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch, you're right, whether Hezbollah goes all in. I'd argued earlier that they would not. Real quick, Chris, the, the outrage and the anger you're feeling in Israel, when I was there, there was one guy held in Gaza, Galad Shalit. The Israelis traded 1,000 prisoners. Mm -hmm. I feel as though the Hamas miscalculated. They thought Israel would back down if they had enough prisoners and negotiate. The overwhelming feeling I'm getting from the Israelis I talk to is one of vengeance. Uh, they realize that, that rescuing these prisoners is unlikely at best. Uh, really almost an impossible task, and therefore the only option is revenge. Is that what you're hearing on the street? It's hard to get past the pain right now. Uh, I don't hear a lot of clearly articulated, uh, here's what we're going to do about it at any level, to be honest. There's so much pain. There's so much shock. And yes, of course, anger. Uh, it's an interesting perspective you have on it that maybe they're thinking that Hamas is so bloodthirsty that this can only go one way. It'll be interesting to hear if Hamas's spokesperson is willing to say that they're going to give those hostages back. It's, it's very interesting to hear whether or not they'll own what seems so real to everyone here. Um, well, I'll look forward to the interview. Uh, thank you. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. Uh, stay safe over there. Coming up, preventing violence back at home. On average, six guns a day are confiscated in America's schools, and those are just the ones found. Ahead, the reason kids are bringing guns to school that have nothing to do with school shootings. Here, I'm going to pat you down real okay, fast. We're going After, quote, mass school shootings, you hear a lot about keeping guns out of the wrong hands, and that's important, of course. 
But it's far from the whole story. Lots of kids bring guns to school not to shoot classmates, but for protection of criminal activity or protection in general. The new Washington Post investigation found a startling number of guns inside our schools. Last year alone, news reports identified more than 1,150 guns in K-12 schools, six guns a day. And those are the ones just reported and found. Experts estimate roughly 50% of seizures are never reported. And those are of seizures. Joining us now, Dr. Daryl Henson, superintendent of schools at Marlin Independent School District. As we watch some of the video of guns being found in school. Uh, It's good to see you, sir. Thank you very much. Um, Are we missing a point here of the number of kids who are bringing guns to school for protection from bullies or protection from criminals or to carry out criminal acts? So I'll say that it's definitely a sad reality that we have to admit of where we are right now when it comes to protecting our public educators and students here in the great country of America. If safety is our number one priority, what's coming down to ensuring that we're keeping all of our students and staff safe? So for whatever the reason, we have to be proactive in addressing the mental and emotional needs that's going to impact the cause So later on, we're not having an effect of bringing guns to school. I want to show with audio uh, the the various images and videos that The Washington Post put together uh, of body cameras of police officers finding and taking guns from kids. Take a look. I don't bring the rifle because I'm like assuming I'm going to have to use it. I just bring it because, first of all, it looks cool. And second of all, it's like the comfort thing. You're at a school function. The, the staff has asked us to search you. God bless. 449. Third firearm recovered. You think this is appropriate for school? Are you serious? Are you serious? Uh, yeah, evidently very serious. I guess the question is, where where are the parents in this? Where are kids going home and doing their homework, maybe playing some video games and getting up? Why do they feel the need to have guns? And that's, I think, a question that we're all trying to answer right now. I think back to back when I was in school, my parents were in school, that old school educator, that educator who knew your family. But more importantly, they served in that role as a parent and as a role model. I believe that we have to get back to a place of having educators who care a lot more than just science and social studies, but they care about the safety of all children. We have to work together with our states and our school boards to put in place practices that once again will keep everyone safe and the well-being of every child and staff member as an utmost priority. I I get that, but are we, and I, I, I'm all for, all for that, but if we go back to, you know, what everyone likes to talk about, the root causes of this, how much of this is because kids are at younger and younger ages getting involved in criminal activity? So that for them, carrying guns is not about a school shooting, but it's about I'm a drug dealer or I'm part of a gang or whatever it be. Correct. And I believe that, though, there are several factors that go into the reason why. But I believe that if we're being proactive and we're addressing the social and emotional needs of all children, and we have to take on the mindset, I believe, as the parent, educators have to believe that I am more than just a teacher. I'm here to not only provide content, I'm here to provide life lessons and support to help you going forward for your future.
Yeah. Well, look, all, all, all kids need is one person to really care, right? That's what everybody uh, everybody needs. I can't help but think there's, there's probably a lot of kids who bring a gun to school because they think it looks cool. And they do it to impress their friends. Um, it's good to yeah. see you, sir. Thank you very much, as always, for the perspective. We appreciate it. Uh, please let us know on social media what you thought of the memo tonight. At 